May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. My kids love to watch these internet videos of people doing dangerous things. There are young people, you know, uh, teenagers and young adults who are on skateboards and they, they jump up on the skateboard on top of a railing that's over top of concrete steps in front of like a library or a government office or something like that. And, you know, these young people are, are sliding down on the skateboard on top of the railing. And it's terrifying. You know, I always kind of peek in when they're watching, you know, look over the shoulder or, you know, if it's up on the television to see what they're doing. And, and I'm terrified that it's going to be like a bloodbath, you know, that somebody is going to film their friends, you know, falling down and busting their head wide open and bleeding to death on camera. And yet they can't look away. It's hard for me to look at it, and they're they watching. Um, these kids will do ridiculous stunts, too, that make, you know, remember the old getting shot out of a cannon thing, seem like child's play. I mean, they'll jump from building to building with no safety net, no ropes, no nothing. And they're uh, presumably as one of their friends with a, you know, a camcorder. And down there, they're, they're filming this while it's happening. Some of them will climb outside of buildings or run and jump. It just, it's insane. It's quite disturbing to me because, you know, I prefer safety to danger. You know, I prefer health to dismemberment. Um, these are the sort of things that I look forward to in my days, and I don't understand why they do it. But I do like the idea of the spectacle. The thing is, if I'm going to watch an internet video, it's going to be squirrels water skiing, you know, or um, cats playing piano, a dog making fried eggs. These are the sort of things that I want to see all quite safe. And so I thought about how, you know, young men might really love danger and an old man might eschew it, um, but we both sort of love the spectacle. We both sort of love the thing that's unusual. It's the reason why we used to go to the circus. I mean, in the days before YouTube, you had to go to the circus, didn't you? To see somebody who would, you know, get close to a lion or, you know, walk on a tightrope or whatever, you know, that do some swallowing of a sword or some kind of dangerous thing. You had to go to the circus to see that. The circus doesn't exist anymore because of YouTube. It's a sad, sad thing. But we all want the performance, the extravaganza, the spectacle. This is what we come to see. People of all sorts doing dangerous or not so dangerous stuff. And we say to one another, don't we? Did you see the other day? You know, Did you see? Did you catch this event that took place? No, if not, you have to go and find it. There's a, there's a video somewhere of, of it. You can go look for it. When I was a kid, it was all about Evil Knievel. You remember Evil Knievel? I was in, um, in Niagara Falls uh, just a couple weeks ago, Abby and I, and there was an Evil Knievel Museum. Now, we didn't go, but I desperately wanted to. Um, you know, like, this is somewhere I want to be. When I was a kid, Evil Knievel got on a, a motorcycle that had a rocket strapped to the motorcycle, and he tried to jump the Snake River Canyon. And he was not successful, you know, and this was part of the spectacle. We wanted to see what would happen. Oh, let me see. Even if you were blind, blind people were probably saying, tell me about it. What is he doing? You know, they, they wanted to participate in it as well. Give me a spectacle. Give me something to look at. And I'll watch. I'll pay attention. In the gospel lesson today, Jesus takes three of his closest friends up to a mountain to pray Jim, Luke writes, Jesus took along Peter, James, and John and went up on the mountain to pray. 
They're, they're, they have an intention where they're going. They're going up the mountain, not just for a junket or an excursion or a day trip. They're going up the mountain to pray. And for some reason, he takes three of his closest friends, not all of his closest friends. And so he takes them with him and, and they climb the mountain for this reason. Jesus, it seems, is more concerned with praying than his friends are. Um, Luke says that, that Peter, James, and John are overcome with sleep. <laughs> Jesus goes to pray. They presumably go for a nap. Um, but people do that. They get tired, don't they? They, they wear out. They, they get exhausted. And, and so here they are praying. We don't know how long they were there before they got groggy and decided to drift off to the land of Nod. But at some point they do. And Jesus, or Luke says, it, only he in these th uh, three Gospels that tell the story, tell the story of the disciples getting sleepy. He also says that uh, he knows something about the conversation that Jesus has with Moses and Elijah, that they talk about his departure as he was going to accomplish at Jerusalem. So Luke paints this scene. Jesus and his three disciples leaving the hustle and bustle of life, going for a prayer retreat up a mountain. They go up the mountain to pray, and sometime along the way, the three friends fall asleep, and Jesus continues in prayer. And there's something that happens in sequence. Luke says, and while he was praying, that is Jesus, the appearance of his face became different. And his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah. His appearance changed. It became different. Luke says. Um, it's, it's altered in some way. Luke really departs from Mark and Matthew, who also tell the story. Mark and Matthew say that Jesus metamorphosed. Luke doesn't use that word. He says it, it, that Jesus' appearance was heteron. It was different. Something had changed about him. It's, it's difficult to say. He does mention his clothing, too. His clothing became white and was gleaming. I like the way that Mark describes Jesus' clothing. He says, it was unlike could be bleached by any launderer. No dry cleaner could get his clothes this clean. And so Jesus' appearance changes, and it's not like he just got out of the shower and picked up his clothes from the dry cleaner. This isn't how he's changed. Something about him is radiating this white, hot essence. He is different. He is, there's something that is, is remarkably, essentially different about him. He's, he's transformed, metamorphosed, altered. He's gleaming in front of them, radiating. And Peter says what you and I would say. Wow, this is awesome. You know, we are going to stay here because this is fantastic. It's like, like we just you know, got transported into heaven or something. Let's build three shrines and stay here. Um, the text says, Master, it is good for us to be here. I think Luke kind of sanitized it, don't you? I mean, Peter's a fisherman with a salty tongue. I think it was much more um, earthy than that, but we'll take that. Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's just stay right here. And while that was happening simultaneously with Peter's declaration. Look at the, verse 34. And while he was saying this, this is what Luke says, while he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them. We know what's happening here, don't we? They were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud. We've seen this story before. <laughs> We've heard this story. Moses went up a mountain 
and a cloud was at the mountain. And now, Peter, James, and John are there with Jesus, and a cloud is on the mountain. We know this is not just some meteorological phenomenon. This is more than that. If you were in my, my introduction of Bible class, you would know. Your ears would perk up and you would say, this is a theophany, a visible manifestation of the power and presence of God. This is the Lord right here. A cloud overshadows them. And a voice comes out of the cloud, doesn't it? The voice says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And they are afraid. They are terrified. It's from where we get the word phobia. They are frightened. They are terrified. They don't know what to do. They're very frightened. Of course they are. The same thing what happened with Moses, remember? The people of Israel are like, all right, Moses, you go up there. We don't want anything to do with this. We're going to get too close and we're going to drop dead. It's like watching somebody walk on a tightrope. I don't want to do that. I don't know about you. I feel that. You know, I, I like feel the terror. And when those kids fall, when they're skateboarding, I can physically feel it in my body. You know, like, oh, that hurts. Um, the cloud overshadows the mountain and they're terrified. You go, they say to Moses. And here, the disciples, what can we do? How do we get out of this? I think the theological point about Jesus and his gleaming appearance, his radiant, hot, white appearance, the presence of the two greatest prophets of all time, Moses and Elijah, with him, is that Jesus' glory is being revealed. It had been concealed. And now it is being revealed. With Moses, it was different. Moses was reflecting what had happened to him. Like with a suntan. You know, you go out in the sun and, and it, it, it hits your skin. Your skin reflects the sun. Or the, the effects of the sun. This is Moses. Moses is reflecting the glory of God. But Jesus is radiating the glory of God. He is the very image of the invisible God. And they begin to see this. And then the voice comes and speaks. The voice does not have to say, pay attention to me. <laughs> the voice just coming out of the cloud. You have to pay attention to that voice. You cannot not pay attention to the voice. You have to. But what does the voice do? The voice of the Almighty that, that Luke is careful not to describe because he doesn't want to get too close to, to deprecating the person of God. What does the voice do with the rapt attention of the disciples? It says, listen to him. The words of the prophets were the words that the prophets had spoken, that they were the words of God. Here is the word of God. This is not one who speaks just for God. This is the very word of God himself speaking. Listen to him. He is like and unlike the prophets in that way. I wonder this morning as we climb the mountain together, just the three of us, <laughs> as we climb the mountain together, what do we expect to find at the top of the mountain? A sleepy place to pray. You know, a moment of respite, a quiet place. Do we expect to find the Lord himself? It's a scary thing. A number of years ago, I went to London, and my, my oldest son was only 14 at the time, and he traveled with me. This is the two of us. And we went to, um, to Holy Trinity Brompton Church. 
And, um, and Matt Sandy, Sandy Miller, as some of you know him, Sandy is this wonderful man, a great passion for the Lord. And he says to us, uh, I want us to meet on Tuesday. This was like on a Sunday. I want us to meet on Tuesday. Uh, just bring this group, and, and I want to pray for you. We'll have some of the, the, other, uh, the other ministers from uh, Holy Trinity. They're going to meet there too. And, and we met this church called St. Paul's in Shadwell in London. We were in this upper room. Kind of interesting that we were in this upper room. And there are, uh, you know, a dozen, 15 of us. And we're standing in a big circle. And, and Sandy says to us, now listen, I'm going to go around and pray for you. And, and, and this guy, Tom, he's, a, he's going to go around and pray for you. And we're going to stop and just individually take a moment. Just wait in prayer until somebody shows up to pray for you. And then, and then we're going to intercede. And Sandy says this, now don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up. And it might happen that you, you kind of feel yourself falling, or you're going to fall on the floor, or you might, um, you might feel yourself shaking, you might speak in other tongues. And, um, and I, at the time, am thinking, isn't this guy sweet? Um, but come on. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, was, I was a little bit, uh, and I'm not going to tell you what happened to me, but I'm going to tell you about my son, who was 14 at the time. And he was, you know, four or five people removed from me in the circle for some reason. He was, you know, a group of us, and, and he's... He's on this to my right. Sandy comes around and he prays for me. And afterward, somebody comes up and taps me and says, I think your son needs you. I said, yeah. So I, I go over to see what the kid is doing. You know, I mean, he's 14. He's a very mature 14-year-old. He's, he's an intellectual. He's, you know, he's, he's a really bright kid. And, and I see him and his, his face is as white as, as a sheet. And he said, Dad, can we get out of here? I need some air. I said, of course. And so we go outside and I'm like, what's going on? He said, I don't know what happened, but while that man was praying, I just began to shake violently all over my entire body. I couldn't control it, and I was terrified. And I said to him, do you think that coming into the presence of the Lord is always a moment for joy and delight? It's a frightening thing to come into the presence of the Lord. We should understand that our God is powerful. And He's, he's not some little pet. I didn't say this to him, but I'm saying this to you. Our God is not some little pet. He's not a lap dog or a goldfish or a tabby cat. That is not our God. He is powerful. Unlike any hurricane, powerful. Unlike any tornado, powerful. Mighty, unlike any army, mighty and strong. And coming into His presence can be frightening. It can be, it can be unsettling. And if we came this morning and expected to find, you know... Little Jesus, meek and mild. That's not really seeing the glory of God. That's not the God that's revealed in the white hot radiance of the mountain of transfiguration. But our God is also these things, isn't he? Kindness and gentleness and graceful. He's the one who comes alongside when we're walking down the road and we don't even know that it's him. He conceals himself. This is the end of Luke's gospel, isn't it? He's walking down the road, the resurrected Lord, with two disciples, and they don't even know that it's him. He's that gentle and that, that compassionate. He's the friend who says, come on, let's go. Let's go up to the mountain and pray. And so what did you expect to find this morning? A favorite hymn, a place of respite, a quiet, a well-rehearsed ritual. We've been through this a few times. Or did you come to find the living God? 
white hot. Revealed as powerful. What did you come to find this morning? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.